Okay, we're in a series. I hope you all have the book. If you don't have the book, uh, Christian, is there a book? Do you have any extra books? Uh, I think we have one somewhere. Okay, and so somewhere there's a book. So if you don't have it, you said it's very cheap on Kindle. A Kindle, you can get it on Kindle. So I recommend uh, it costs like four dollars on Kindle. It costs like eight hundred thousand dollars if you get a copy of it. So, so. These are our two verses. Uh, we're going to look at uh, the second one a little later on. But the first one is they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. These four characteristics is what we hoped to have in a, an experience that live out every Sunday in Koinonia, where we have this time when we gather together uh, following God's teaching. Just uh, uh, gathering together, koinonia, fellowship, where we interact with one another, we greet one another, we share life with one another. Then we also will have a dinner together, but also we share communion together, and also we pray for one another. So these are the aspects of it. But we also aren't just to keep it for ourselves. We're given a mission to go out and tell the people and that's the second Corinthians verse where we have this message of reconciliation. Come back to God. And whatever you do, don't drop my keys. Okay. Okay, the book that we're reading is called True Community. And the author is uh, Jeff Jerry Bridges. Jerry Bridges. Jerry Jerry Bridges. Jerry Bridges. So if you need that information, we'll talk about it afterwards. But last week. We started, or two weeks ago we started, the first chapter is called Sharing the Common Life. And there were four basic pillars, you might say, that he spoke about. And what we have seen and heard we declare to you so that you and we together may share a common life. That's koinonia, share a common life. That life which we share with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And so we're sharing together a community relationship and partnership. We all have a relationship with Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, but that places into the body of Christ. And we're also in this partnership together where we have a, a message to give out to others. And then we are sharing in communion, that is sharing life together, interacting with one another, and we're also sharing our material possessions. So it's sharing together, and sharing with. Then chapter 2, last week, is union with God. And so what does that mean? In order to be a part of this sharing the common life, we have to have this commonness where we share union with God. Our foundation of this relationship is that we all, each one of us, have made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. So we've been brought into the family of God through the work and ministry of Christ. It's not based upon where I was born or where, what country I come from or what family I come from. It's that I personally, you personally, have met Jesus and been brought into his family. And so God who has called us into the fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Lord, enable me all day long, for without you I can do nothing. We, each one of us, have that dependency upon God. And because we are dependent upon God, He's placed us in this family where we can share 
and have a community together. Today's chapter is called Communion with God. Communion with God. Fellowship with God. And so the book is, is very good, and that Susan sort of highlighted it already, saying what this book has shown her. And we hope that this will also be something that will encourage you in your daily life and walk with God. I would like to focus on uh, certain things in this. And so we're going to start back in what communion with God is. Now, there's a great philosopher, uh, scientist, his name was Pascal, and he worked with making vacuums and that kind of stuff. And so he made this statement. There's a God-shaped vacuum in the, each, in the heart of every man that can only be filled with Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is that God has, been, God has created humans, you and me, to have a relationship with him. And all people, when they're born on earth, there is something missing. And what is that missing? That's the relationship with God. And so that's why we have given this message to go out and tell people about him. That's why Jesus came. He revealed the will of the Father. And so I'd like to start with... Uh, this little thing. This verse says, One thing I have asked from thee, O the Lord, one thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to meditate in his temple. This is David's, David's crying out, his longing to be in God's presence. And so, that's meditating, spending time with being intimate with God. That relationship where you hear His voice and you're speaking to Him and we have that intimate relationship. Well, this is what David was longing to, to be in. And so that's what we're looking at when we look at communion with God, having that type of relationship. So I'm going to start with uh, Genesis chapter 2. Or 1, chapter 1. Uh, and so, this is just a <coughs> shortened version of these passages. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, or according to our likeness. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And he said to them, Be fruitful, multiply. And he filled the earth and subdued it. Fill the earth and subdue it. God saw that he put all that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So here we see God has created man. He's given them a, a, a place in, in his creation. And he's communicating with them and saying, go out and, and, and be fruitful and, and, and um, multiply and subdue the earth. And then a very interesting statement in chapter 3. Then the man and wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees in the of the garden. But the Lord had called to the man, Where are you? What happened between God's creation, setting man and woman in the garden, and then just in the next chapter, God is walking in the garden, expecting to have communion, fellowship 
with his creation and they're hiding. I think this is a common thing for God to do at this, in this creative time where God was communing with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, at the end of their day. They'd sit down and chat and have a wonderful time of, of fellowship. That's what God and man had together in the beginning. I think that's what God would like us to have with him. That's how he created us. That vacuum in our heart that's there is caused because of the rebellion that we read about, we read about in a couple of verses before this. Now, therefore, from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him no longer in this way. Therefore, as anyone in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things pass away, behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as through God, we're making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God. So here we see the creative work of God, of where man was in a relationship with God. There was nothing dividing them. Something broke that. Christ came to reestablish that, to reconcile us to God, to have this communion with Him. Communion with God is how we were created. The original creation was we were to have this communion with Him. How can we get that back? It's through Christ. Here's another one of David's words. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? This longing that David expresses in this psalm can you recognize that? Can I recognize that? Do I have that longing to have this relationship with him? To meet with him? To spend time with him? To allow him to speak to me or I can speak to him? Communion with God is how he created us. Christ came to restore that Am I experiencing communion with God? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Now when we talk about communion with God, the word of God is very important. Very important when we're looking for this. And so that's why many of the techniques or many of the things that are encouraged to is where we read our Bible and we also memorize scripture. So that in quiet times or in 
times when no one's around or you're laying on your bed or you're driving your car or you're walking to get a cup of coffee or you're sitting down to uh, read your, your, do your work and there's a passing moment that you go by, well, something can come to your mind that you can think about that draws you into this relationship of communing with God, talking with Him, allowing Him to speak to you. Those of us who have memorized scripture, how often has it been in some obscure place and time, all of a sudden some passage comes to mind. Well, God is speaking to us through his word, and it's important for us to try to also listen. But also, on our side, we have to read and study. So when we read this chapter, it's going to encourage somehow being involved in in meditating or talking or, or reading, memorizing the word, and making something part of your lifestyle. Because communion with God is this doesn't happen. It's just this, this stuff and oh, you wake up one morning and it's there. But we're in a process. We're gonna read this whole chapter, chapter 139 of Psalms. As I read this, just how, do, how does this speak to your heart? O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, Behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before, and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Does God know you? Where can I go from your spirit? Well, where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shield, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, sure, the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be, be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give you thanks. I will give thanks to you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, I would outnumber the sand. When I awake, 
I am still with you. Does God know you? Does God know me? What about those that are against me? Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed. For they seek against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do, not hate, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the uttermost hatred. They have become my enemies. Bad thoughts, evil thoughts, away with them. Let me concentrate on communion with you, Lord. In the last paragraph, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. Do you think God wants to have communion with you? Does he want to have communion with me? It's obvious he does. Is my heart panting like a heart of deer? Lord, give me that heart. Do I long for that? Jesus talking to his disciples. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because he does not see him or know him. But you have him, have you, but you know him because he abides with you and will be with you. The Holy Spirit. When we put our faith and trust in Christ, Christ said he's going back to the Father to sit with him in heaven. But he wouldn't leave us here as orphans. He would send the Holy Spirit. We read about that in Acts chapter 1 and 2. To where we know that all of us who have put our faith and trust in Christ know that Jesus is risen. He's sitting at the Father's right hand. But he sent the Holy Spirit to indwell us. Back to Pascal's quote. There's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man that can only be filled with Jesus Christ. This vacuum can be filled when we put our faith and trust in God, in the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. We're not left alone. The Lord himself has said he's going to live and reside within us. And he, what, what does he want? He wants to commune with us. He wants to have fellowship with us. He wants to interact and live life with us. There's a church that the writer of Revelation wrote to, John wrote to. In Revelation chapter 3, there's seven churches that are depicted in Revelation in these first three chapters. And one of them in particular, he talks to about they need to make a decision. I'm not saying that we're there for this church of Lacedonia is. Most of us like to say, well, we're in the number six church. The church of brotherly love. We, we have it right. 
But let's listen to what the Lord says to this particular church. Write this letter to the leader of the church in Macedonia. Macedonia. The message is from the one who stands firm, the faithful and true witness of all that is or was or evermore shall be, the primeval, primeval source of God's creation. I know you will. You are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other, but since you are merely lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Don't stand on the fence. Make a decision who you follow. I say, you say, I am rich with everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that spiritually you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Hopefully we're not that way. But it's a very strong statement. My advice to you is to buy pure gold from me, pure gold purified by fire. Only then you will be truly rich. And to purchase from me white garments, clean and pure, so you won't be naked and ashamed. And to get medicine from me to heal your eyes and to give you back your sight. I continually discipline and punish everyone I love, so I must punish you unless you turn from your indifference and become enthusiastic about the things of God. Am I enthusiastic about the things of God? Am I resisting? Is God saying, wake up? I want to commune with you. Look, I have been standing at the door. I am constantly knocking. If anyone hears me calling to him and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. In other translations, I will come and dine with him. I will come and have dinner. I will let everyone who conquers sit beside me on my throne just as I took my place with my father on his throne when I had conquered. Let those who can hear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now you can read Revelations 2 and 3 and see what he says to the seven different churches. But I think this one in particular is just very poignant in our understanding of what it means to have communion with God. God wants to have communion with us. God has provided a way for us to have communion with him. And most of us in this room have said yes to Jesus. But are we having difficulty in having communion at times? Is that what we're seeking? As a deer panting after water. The door, open the door and allow the Lord to come in and dine with you. Having fellowship and communion with you. It is an activity. It, it is not an activity. It's supposed to be not there, sorry. It is not an activity. It's a mindset. It's not an activity that, I, oh, I'm going to go do something. No. Is this my life? Have I opened my door? Joshua 1 8. 
This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have success. So this is a promise. The importance of the scripture, of how we allow our minds to be filled with God's word, and then have this communion, communion with God, allowing Him through the Spirit to speak to us through His Word. This is one aspect of what it means to have communion with God. Do I have this longing in my heart to want to be near to Him, to let Him speak to me? I was, this week, we were thinking about some songs and everything, and I was running back a song back in 1972 or 4, I heard, and I was trying to remember the name of it, and uh, so I, I finally found it, and it came from, it's a, a fellow named uh, Garrett from New Zealand, that he started a uh, ministry of songs in the scripture. And so there's this one passage that he put on of where I began in Genesis chapter 1. I would like to end in Revelations. And I didn't quite get to chapter 22. I got to 21, chapter 21. So it's as close as I could get to the end of the book in this particular song. And I really like this to where he talks about uh, what God is doing. Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people. The God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will be no longer any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he says who sits on the throne, Behold, I am making all things new. Communion with God, fellowship with God, interacting with Him, this imminent but also corporate fellowship that we'll have. But we're communing, we're having this relationship. That was God's design. We can read it in Genesis chapter 1. And we can see why Jesus came. He is restoring that possibility if we take and receive Him as our Savior and Lord. And while we're living on earth, we can experience that. It's just a matter of knowing, okay, is that my desire? Is, again, that one verse, like a deer pants after water. Do I have that? Lord, give me that desire to want to have that intimate relationship with the community. And one way is that he does that is through our reading his scripture, meditating on it. And so I encourage you to read this chapter. And just be encouraged to have communion with God. So koinonia, true community, we want to experience that in our little fellowship. This is a very important part of it, that we are actually communing with God. And he definitely wants to do that with us. So let's pursue that. Dear God, just thank you so much that we can just use a few moments to look at your word and be encouraged by what you have done and what you provided for us. That it's impossible for us to do, but because of what you've done, it's now possible. 
And I just pray that these truths will be, become a reality in each one of our lives where we can have that intimate relationship with you, where you speak to us through your word. Help me to have this heart that longs to know you. As a deer panteth for water, so I pant, I desire your word. In Jesus' name, amen.